This is episode number 311 with Janine Shepherd. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Janine Shepard was a former Australian champion skier headed to the 1988 Calgary Winter Olympics. Instead, she was a victim of a horrific car accident on a training bike ride suffering multiple life-threatening injuries. After almost six months in hospital and struggling to rehabilitate with permanent disabilities, she didn't just learn to walk, she chose to fly. Starting flight training in a plaster body cast, she ultimately attained her commercial pilot rating and even taught aerobatics. She was also told it was unlikely she would ever have children, but she is a proud mama of three. Today, she is an internationally renowned speaker and author of six best-selling books, Her inspiring TED Talk, A Broken Body Isn't a Broken Person, has garnered over 1.6 million views. That is amazing. She's been featured on Australia's 60 Minutes, This Is Your Life, and recognized with her country's highest honor, the Order of Australia. She was named an Architect of Change by Maria Shavira, and was once named as one of the 10 outstanding young people of the world. What an achievement. She's an ambassador for Wings for Life and also Spinal Care Australia. And she travels the world sharing her message of resilience and transformation. And in today's inspiring conversation, we talk about the life-changing car accident that left her a paraplegic and how she learned to fly, the tough realities that she faced and how she moved through them, why we are not our body, how to rebuild and redesign your life. She is such a great example to speak on this. Why you need to embrace uncertainty and enjoy the treasure hunt that is life. How to get comfortable with uncertainty. Why her situation didn't stop her from learning how to fly. The importance of going within to achieve true fulfillment. How to bust through old habits and programming. How to build resilience, plus so much more. I loved this conversation. I feel so inspired after recording this. She is such a beautiful person with an incredible message and really cares and really wants to make a difference. So I'm so excited for you guys to dive in. And for everything that we mentioned in the show, you can check out over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 311. But before we dive in, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Larissa. It's a five-star review titled, Just Listen, You Won't Regret It. 
Thank you so much, Melissa, for bringing us the insights from global experts, but more so your positive energy, love, and encouragement. This podcast covers so many topics, all aimed at helping you get that bit healthier, happier, wealthier, sexier, and more loving. Melissa has a beautiful, loving style, and I'm so thrilled to have found this podcast. I have many episodes still to listen to, but can vouch for the words of her guest, Dr. Neil Bernard. Her work saves lives and most certainly makes lives better. Thank you again for sharing your wisdom. Larissa, I just want to squeeze you and give you the biggest kiss on the cheek right now. Thank you so much for that kind review. I'm so grateful and so honored that you took the time to write that. And as a little thank you, I want to send you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. All you have to do is send a screenshot of your review to hello at Melissa Ambrosini and I'll send that over to you. And that goes for anyone who leaves me a review. Same thing. If you want to get my wildly wealthy guided meditation, just send a screenshot over to hello at melissaambrosini.com. And if you want to get my bursting with love guided meditation, you can leave a review on Amazon for either Mastering Your Mean Girl or Open Wide or both. And again, send me a screenshot. I would be so grateful. It makes such a difference to iTunes ratings and Amazon ratings. So Thank you for everyone who has done it. I'm so grateful. And for anyone who's about to do it, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now let's dive in. Let's bring on the incredibly inspiring Janine Shepherd. Janine, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you with us. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Nothing. No breakfast. Nothing. I no, no no I don't I don't eat breakfast. I I'm I'm a keto girl actually. So that's a long story. I I'm a I'm a paraplegic. I'm a walking paraplegic and I suffer from chronic pain and I just inadvertently stumbled across a keto diet and it's how I manage my chronic pain. So I usually only eat one to two meals a day. So yeah, I skip breakfast. Wow. Okay. So you mentioned something really important there that you are a walking paraplegic. I listened to you and watched your TED talk and was blown away by your story and what you've been through. And I could really relate on so many different levels to you and to what you've been through. But for those that haven't heard your story, can you take us back to the time where you grew your angel wings? (laughs) Well, I would say that that was definitely the time when I had my accident. You know, for anyone that's seen my talk, you'll know the story. I, you know, I had been an elite athlete training for the Winter Olympics and I was training with my teammates and I was on my bike riding from Sydney to the Blue Mountains in Australia. I was run over by a speeding truck. You know, it's it's a very challenging experience to try to capture, but I, 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 I didn't have a near-death experience. I tell people I had a death experience because I, I did leave my body. And for 10 days, I, I was in between two dimensions, and that was the time in, in hospital and intensive care that they told my parents that, say goodbye, this is it, we can't do any more. And I had, you know, extensive injuries. You know, part of those were, you know, a broken neck and a broken back in, in six places and I mean, everything was, everything was smashed, but the really, the thing that was going to kill me was the blood loss. So I lost about five liters of blood, which is all someone my size would hold. So they couldn't, um, they couldn't stop the blood loss. My blood pressure when they arrived 
when the helicopter arrived at the hospital was um, 40 over nothing. And so while everyone was fighting to keep me alive, I was in my own world, you know, my internal battle. And, you know, I, I remember thinking, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to go back to that body. It's too badly broken and it can no longer serve me. And for whatever reason, but I didn't know at the time, but I, I decided to come back. And I think it was the one thing in my life that really woke me up to who I was and what I was capable of. And, you know, what I say to people is when, you know, when you think that you are your things, when you think you are the externals in life, you know, whether it's your relationship, your body, your looks, your job, you're on a very slippery slope because we're all going to lose those things eventually. And I lost the thing that I thought defined who I was, which was my body. So it was a it was a very tough lesson to learn. The hard way. Yes. <laughs> How old were you at the time? I was 24. So, you know, I had everything going for me. I was in my final year at university. I was studying sports science. I wanted to be an exercise physiologist. I was going to the Olympics. I'd been in a very stable relationship with another athlete for five years. And so life could not have been any better. And then you literally get hit by a truck. Mm, yeah, my, you know, I mean, everything. It was like everything was taken from me, everything that I valued, all of my dreams. You know, I spent almost six months in a spinal ward paralyzed, got out in a wheelchair and a plaster body cast. And I mean, that was the moment, I think, you know, getting home. You know, funnily enough, being in the spinal ward was challenging as it was. It was also a very rich experience. I learned a lot about myself and about life through my experience in the spinal ward. You know, for almost that whole time, I was lying flat on my back, looking up at the ceiling, unable to move. And I really learned the power of gratitude. I decided very early on that if I that everybody that came in to visit me, I was so blessed and so fortunate that I had friends and family every single day for almost six months coming, you know, be beside me in the hospital. And I said to myself, didn't matter what happened, how much pain I was in, I was going to smile and be grateful. So I learned the power of gratitude. Back then, you know, there was no research on gratitude and we didn't know that gratitude changes your brain, but it certainly it did change mine and it got me through probably the most difficult time of my life. I also learned, I'm a big fan of Viktor Frankl, which was one of the, you know, the first books I picked up again when I got home from hospital. I learned that when I couldn't change what was happening on the outside, I was forced to change what was happening on the inside. I also learned the power of connection, you know, through the story, you know, from my TED Talk of the straws, you know, I realised that I'd spent my whole life, you know, mixing with athletes and these sort of elite people in life, you know, and suddenly I was sort of thrown into this situation with people that were so different from me, people who weren't athletes, people from all walks of life who had had accidents. And I realised that this happens to everybody, you know. So it sort of stripped me, well, it did, it stripped me of my sense of entitlement. So even though it was a very challenging period, it was also very rich. So take us back to the moment where you woke up in hospital after you had realized what had happened, take us back to that moment. What was going through your mind? Well, the first, my first memory, because it was, you know, that sort of 10 days was that really in between time where, you know, I had a very, I mean, I left my body. I wasn't alone in that, ex in that experience. And I very clearly remember that I had a choice to come back to my body. 
So when I did wake up after on day 10, I remember sort of opening my eyes and seeing my father's face. And I just remember it was sort of utter confusion. What am I doing back in my body? I didn't, I didn't want to come back here. This is, you know, this is going to be too hard. This is way too hard. And, you know, it took me a long time to realize why I came back. And partly, you know, I know that there were, I know that my mum and dad sat by my bed the whole time. My dad was holding my hand. You know, there were, there were a lot of people praying for me. And it was sort of like my lifeline, I think, to come back. But I also realized that it was the one thing that was going to wake me up to who I was. I mean, it was, if anybody could say, you know, who, who were you before the accident? I was Janine the machine, the athlete. And, you know, that I put myself forward in the world through my body, my physical strength. So that was how I defined myself. And that was the thing that I, that was the one thing that would really show me that not just who I was, but who I wasn't. So just, you know, coming back to my body and waking up in the spinal ward. And then of course, in just overwhelming pain, my whole torso, I'd been hit by the truck you know, it did hit me sort of in the back of my torso. Sure, the, the whole seat of my bike had been sawn off. And, you know, so my whole torso was black. You know, I, I had tubes everywhere. You know, my neck and back were broken, but at first it was just trying to stop the blood. And just incredible pain, just overwhelming pain, just wanting to escape that. And that went on for quite a long time. So I just remember, you know, snippets in and out of, you know, people, faces, in and out, trying to make sense of the experience. And it took probably a few months down the line in hospital that, you know, when I was, after I'd had spinal surgery and when my body started to heal, when I was out of pain, that I really started to think, you know, what's my life going to be like when I get out of here? Which is, you know, the question that everybody asks in a spinal ward. You're lying flat on your back, you're paralyzed. You know, I had a catheter. I remember thinking, this is, it's going to be okay. This, you know, everyone else, sure, they're, they're all going to be paralyzed, but not me. <laughs> it's different for me. And of course, you know, after the, my surgery, the doctor that came over and said, Janine, come on, surgery was a success, but your life will never be the same. You're going to have to rethink everything you do in your life. And, and it was just this sort of moment of what, what, what does she mean? You know, you know, I had no feeling from the waist down. They told me I'd never, well, I'd never be able to use a bathroom again. I'd have to use a catheter. I'd never have a sex life. I'd never have my sporting life back. I'd be in a wheelchair. Didn't they say you'd never have kids? No, they, yeah, they said I'd never have kids. You know, just, it was this, almost this moment of, well, I was in denial. I thought, no, they're not right. That's not, that's not right. So, of course, it was way later when I did get home from hospital and I realised that, you know, hey, my body doesn't work. <laughs> my body really is broken. And then, a, you know, a very serious depression. Tell us about that because I know what it's like to feel like your body has, quote, unquote, failed you. When I was watching your TED Talk, I could not help but feel so emotional and I was relating back to what happened to me when I was 20 years old. I was a professional dancer. So like you, I used my body as my vehicle. Like this was how I made sense of the world. This is how I got recognition. And 
just before I I got my dream job, I auditioned out of 500 girls to go to the Moulin Rouge in Paris and dance at the Moulin Rouge. And I got accepted. And just before I was about to go, so three months before I was about to go, I was doing a dancing job and I kicked my leg and I tore my hamstring right off the bone. And I remember falling to the floor, crawling off the stage and screaming. I was in so much agony and there was so much fear and loss and grief because I was like, I now, what am I going to do? I'm meant to go to the Moulin Rouge where you kick your legs up around your head for two shows a night, six nights a week. And so I was like, how am I going to do this? And I remember feeling like my body had really betrayed me. And that was the beginning of a journey for me, a really beautiful inward journey. And for me, having to master my mind. And I know for you, like when you were told, you won't do this, you won't have kids, you won't have a sex life, you won't have all of these things. And then you went home and you slid into this depression. There's so many people that can relate to that feeling of hopelessness. So what can we do? How did you get out of that pit? And what advice do you have for other people who may also be feeling that right now? Well, I think, you know, we're talking at a time when the pandemic, you know, everyone's at home, incredible circumstances we've never seen before in the world. So I know that a lot of feeling people are feeling anxious and scared and in pain. And I think I've never really felt that sort of level of pain before when I felt like you know, I didn't want to be in my body. I thought seriously about taking my life and how I would do that. And I just didn't want to be there. I, you know, I was, I had a catheter. I had a body. I had no feeling, you know, I couldn't go to the bathroom. I thought I would never be able to go out again. You know, they, first they said to me, we're going to have to teach you to use a catheter, which I can tell you it's, it's not easy. <laughs> and so I thought, I, well, I can never go out. I can't walk. It was very painful being around all my my boyfriend. You know, of course, they're all athletes. And it was, I think it was such a painful experience that the only way that I felt that I could really get through it was to let go. I mean, I, I made, I realized that I'd made a choice to come back to my body. When you were slipping between both realms, was it like a conscious choice, okay, I'm going to go back? Or was it more of like an unconscious thing? Like talk to us about those two realms that you were kind of dancing between. Yeah, I love the word when you say dancing between because it's exactly what it was like. You know, it was, yes, it was very clearly a conscious choice. I remember I had guides with me guiding me through this experience and I didn't have to come back. So it was sort of like I had these two parts of me tearing at, you know, one part that was that said, you know, this is an incredible opportunity to go back. And the other part said, this is going to be way too painful. You, you do not want to do this. So, of course, I chose to do it. I think it was the, the part of me that, you know, there's a part of us that is always, you know, there's an impulse for growth. You know, so I came back and it's taken me my whole life to realize that it was an incredible opportunity and a blessing to realize that I wasn't my body, you know, which was actually the original title of my TED talk. TED put it on TED.com as the talk of the day and they changed the title to A Broken Body Isn't a Broken Person because I think that the original title was maybe a little esoteric, which was You're Not Your Body. That was my original title. And I think that was the greatest lesson that I learned. And I think as women, that is something that we're always, 
is always cast upon us that we are our physical bodies. We are only as good as the way we look in the world, the bodies. I mean, it's it's a sad reality, you know, that that's, that's often how we define ourselves. And, then, you know, I always say if you define yourself by things that are outside, you're on a slippery slope because they're the things that you're always going to lose. There's only one thing that you can't lose, which is what I call the defiant human spirit, which is what we all are. So I realized when I was home from hospital and deeply, deeply depressed and not wanting to continue, the pain was so great that there was some sort of innate wisdom in me that said, let go. Actually, I remember, so I was in a plaster body cast as well. My whole body was in a plaster body cast. I can remember just sobbing one night and crawling to the edge of my bed and falling on the floor and and just sort of it was almost like a, a cry into the darkness it was my dark night of the soul and I remember the prayer was God you know you just show me a way out of this or show me a way through it and it was this moment of surrender and release and the gift in that was that I didn't have to be the athlete anymore it was like okay then who am I what is my life what can I do and in that letting go, well, there was this blessing in that was I was an athlete. I had this incredibly powerful body and I thought that was my strength. But, but I was sort of stuck on that path. You know, that was who I was. And once I let go of that idea, then I had this clean slate. Okay, now I can be whatever I want to be. Now I can recreate my life in whatever way. And I really, the funny thing about that, Melissa, is that I've never before this, you know, all of my study at university was all in sort of the sciences. You know, I was doing sports science. I wanted to be an exercise physiologist. It was, I'd never thought of myself as a creative person. Dancers are creative. Musicians are creative. So I'd never really identified with that. But suddenly I realized that the most creative thing any of us can ever do is to rebuild a life. That is the ultimate in creative experience in life. Totally. And I know a lot of people during this pandemic, the COVID-19, which we're going through at the moment, may feel like the same. They may feel, okay, I've got a clean slate. They might not look at it like a clean slate right now, but from that place of being stripped of your identity, and the same thing happened to me. I was stripped of my identity. How did you then paint the picture of what you wanted to be? I mean, you've spoken about things that you've learned like letting go and surrender and gratitude, but how did you consciously create the new Janine, the upgraded version of yourself? Mm. Yeah, (laughs) Well, funnily enough, I really believe that, you know, I think that we all have the answers within us. You know, we have this innate wisdom if we're willing to tap into that. So when I sort of let go of this, that was who I am, you know, the old version, as you said. You know, I believe that life is eavesdropping the whole time. Yeah, I say the universe has ears. Oh, absolutely. It's like listening to everything that you say and you think. And so whatever you're affirming, it will give you more of that. So I love that. I love that you say that. Yeah. And not only is it listening, but we have to also listen to it. You know, I think that life is like a, you know, it's leaving breadcrumbs, you know. You know, as a kid, you go on the treasure hunts, right? 
And so, you know, you you follow the breadcrumbs. Oh, and there's the next clue. And there's clues along the way. You've really got to pay attention because if you don't, you sort of miss the clues. And whether they're little things along the way, it might be a conversation you have, it might be a person you meet. I always say that today is is unique and it is there has never been a day like this before there never will be a day like this before you might meet someone you might hear something you might pick up a book you might read something that will change your life pay attention yes there's a beautiful quote that i recently read and it said the past is history the future is a mystery and all we have is the present that's why it's called the present because it's such a gift yeah it is. And, you know, we, do, we we can often look at things like that as platitudes, but they're real, you know. And, you know, once we sort of decide and, I, you know, part of the struggle is when we hold on to things and, and we don't like as humans, we, we don't like uncertainty. We don't like the pandemic because we don't know. We don't know when it's going to end. We don't know when we're going to leave our house, you know, when we can leave our homes. We don't know when the, you know, what's going to happen to the economy. And there's a lot of pain out there. You know, there's a big, you know, I'm a big fan of Eckhart Tolle. You know, we talked a lot about the pain body. There's a big pain body out there right now. And so, but nobody knows. That's it. Nobody knows how it's going to, how it's going to turn out. I mean, I didn't know how my story was going to turn out either, but, you know, what life is asking from us is an unconditional yes. You know, you can't go, well, actually, yep, I'm only going to take the good bits. <laughs> I'm going to cherry pick. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work like that. You know, it just doesn't. You know, you we're in this journey and we're, we're, we need an unconditional yes. And it doesn't matter who you are. We're all going to experience pain and suffering and loss and grief and all of those things. It's part of the human experience. It's also... It's those experiences that are actually rich. You know, it's those painful experiences that say, okay, you're not going to live on the surface anymore. You're going to dive deep now. So how did you really get comfortable with the uncertainty? Like you said, it's part of the human condition to crave, like we crave certainty. And then when things are out of our control, like people lose it, like they go crazy, as we can see with what's, you know, buying all the toilet paper, for example, and things like that. So how do you get comfortable with uncertainty? What I do for myself is I remind myself that everything is always unfolding the way it's supposed to. And even if that is a little bit uncomfortable or a bit painful, I'm like, this is happening for a reason. And I might not know that reason right now in this moment, but in one week or one month or one year or 10 years, I will know that reason and I'll look back and I'll say, ah, that happened because of that. And then you put all the pieces of the puzzle back together. So how do you kind of shimmy your way through the discomfort of uncertainty? Well, it's really interesting you said that about, you know, everything happens for a reason. I, uh, what I think is that we, we create the reason. That's one of the most powerful tools we have is the power of choice. We get to choose. We get to choose, you know, how we see the experiences of our life. Viktor Frankl, you know, talks a lot about that. You know, the one thing, we can lose everything, but the, you know, the power to choose our attitude in every set of circumstances. So for me, I chose 
to see my accident, you know, as an opportunity, you know, as um, not an obstacle, but an opportunity that it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. I mean, but these things happened much later. It happened from actually, you know, the, the journey of life is about experience. Everything is information and energy. That's I think everything is just those two, information and energy. And so we learn from experience. As we try things, there's a feedback loop. How does it feel? Does it create pain or does it create joy or healing or getting us closer to the person we want to be? So for me, you know, once I let go, once I sort of said yes, which I did when I let go that night in the bedroom and said, okay, life, give it to me. Show me how do I get through this? It was after that that the most extraordinary thing happened. And that's what people find, you know, I guess, extraordinary about my story. You know, I'm sort of outside in a wheelchair and a plaster cast and an aeroplane flew over. And it was like this moment, this sort of light bulb went off and I thought, hmm, okay, if I can't walk, then maybe I can fly. And, and you know, <laughs> my mum went, I said, Mum, I'm going to fly. She goes, mm, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice, darling. <laughs> can I get you another cup of tea? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... You know, this is a long story, but I was a paraplegic. How could I learn to fly? So, you know, I, I, it was like something inside me just, you know, when there's a nagging yes in life, when there's, when life says you're going to, you're going to do this, you know, and you can't ignore it. So I say to people, when life tells you something, when you get this, it's in your heart, it's in your, you know, it's deep inside, follow that, right? Follow it. So I was driven out to the airport and lifted into an aeroplane and uh, the people at the flying school thought it was ridiculous. And I just, you know, suddenly I had a reason to get out of bed. I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to do this, you know? So long story, I'm going to fast forward. It's a long story, but you know, I did, I, I, I ended up learning to fly. What kind of planes do you fly? Well, I'm a commercial pilot. I, um, I said, fast forward, I've even flown an F-18 fighter jet, the Air Force gave me a flight in an F-18. But I went on, I became a firstly a private pilot, then an, an unrestricted, then I flew around Australia in an aeroplane, and then I got my commercial pilot's license and my aerobatics rating, my instructor rating, and then I found myself in a job. All this time I was having operations, the doctors put my body back together, I was learning to walk, really had a great motivation to learn to use a catheter because I, <laughs> I can't go out unless I can use a catheter. So I did that with all my medications, catheters and everything else. And then I found myself at a job teaching people how to fly upside down. And that was just over a year after I'd left the spinal ward. So it was the most remarkable journey. And people ask me, why flying? You know, flying. And I say, well, I actually, I think that flying chose me. I think that when that aeroplane flew over in the sky, it was a provocation. Flying is an incredible metaphor for life. It was there couldn't be anything further from being paralyzed in a spinal ward than flying an aeroplane through the cumulus clouds, upside down. I mean, it was, life said, if you say yes, I'm going to say yes back. That is like a perfect example of saying yes, you know, following the feeling. So I always say that every situation either makes you expand or it makes you contract. And we really do need to tune into our body and feel what is going on inside. Like if you are thinking about flying, does it make you feel expansive? Well, that's a good indication that you need to kind of follow that. 
But if you think about something and it makes you contract and your shoulders go forward, maybe then that is a sign that that path isn't for you. And what I'm hearing from you is that you had purpose. You now had purpose to get out of bed in the morning. And this is so important. A mentor once said to me many years ago, when I was telling him I felt depressed, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing with my life. He said to me, it's because you don't have a purpose, Melissa. Like, what is your purpose? What is your goal? You know, what? And this is why I'm such a big believer in setting goals. Because when you have a goal to work toward, it gives you reason to get out of bed in the morning. And for you, it was, you know, you wanted to learn how to use the catheter. You wanted to heal your body so that you could go and do this flying. And I just love that. So I want to encourage anyone listening to tune into what their purpose is. Like, I feel like everyone's purpose in the world is to be of service and to help other people. But the way that we do that, we do that through different vehicles. And your vehicle is through flying. You know, my vehicle is writing books and speaking on stages and same with yours, speaking on stages. So we all need to find the things that are within us. You don't need to find them. You need to just tap within because they're already within us and follow those, follow those things. Because when we have that purpose, that gives our life more meaning and richness. Absolutely. And I think we, you know, I think it's, you know, a great exercise to always ask, you know, what are your gifts? What are my unique gifts and how can I serve? You know, we all have strengths. We all have gifts. And, you know, often we're living someone else's life. You know, we, we, um, I'll give you a, a funny story. Many, many years ago, one of my friends was, um, yeah, a lawyer in a big law firm in Sydney. And so they invited me to speak at a, at a, a big conference of theirs. It was a Friday evening. I remember we had a dinner. So I, I gave a presentation, the keynote. We did some questions and I sat down and I had dinner with, you know, maybe a whole group of young lawyers. It was a Friday. Anyway, on Monday, I rang my friend, John, and I said, so I hope it all went well. You got some great feedback. He said, well, you know that young guy you spoke to, Scott? And I said, yeah, you know, I'd spent some time with him. He said, well, he came in this morning and he quit. (laughs) And I said, oh, okay. (laughs) Actually, I thought it was a real compliment. Yeah. You must have hit something deep within. You know what he did? He quit his job, got a backpack and headed to Europe to backpack around. Wow. Because he was in a job that he really didn't want to be in. It was probably a job that his parents wanted him to do or his teachers told him he should do. And often we live like that. You know, we, we, we do the things that other people want us to do when we're not leading a really authentic life. You know, I say goals are really important. They've got to be goals with soul. They've got to be things that really resonate with us. And I think that's, you know, this experience that we're all going through right now is an opportunity for everyone. It's like a reset button. It's people to, this is an opportunity for people to say, what do I want from life? And what does life want from me? You know, what, what's important in my life? And, you know, when life is busy and everything's great, we, we don't really have to go under the surface. You know, it's really easy to live a superficial life when things are good, <laughs> when things are tough and it hurts. It's time to go deep. It's never about the externals, always about the internals. No. So, you know, I hear a lot of people that have these big life-changing experiences like you did, like I have, but I've also heard stories where people 
get the diagnosis or go through the divorce or the bankruptcy and they feel inspired for about a year and then they slip back into their old way of being. Their old habits come up. There's a book called, I think it's called We Learn Nothing or something like that. And it's, it's about the human condition and how we are designed to forget. You know, we remember, we forget, we remember, we forget, we're asleep, we're awake, we're asleep, we're awake. And this other book that I read one time was about how this guy, I think he was stabbed. I'm not doing very good recognition of this story, but I'll put the link to the book in the show notes. Anyway, the year after he had this incident, he was so inspired. He was like, I'm so grateful to be alive. Life is amazing. Look how beautiful everything is. And he was a completely different human being. And then a year later, he slipped straight back into all his own old ways, you know, being resentful, stressed, working too much, all those things. How did you and how do you make sure that you stay in alignment with the new Janine, the upgraded version of Janine? And what do you do if you do see yourself slip back into old programs or thought patterns? Well, look, you know, that's a really great question and great insight into the human condition because life has a way of, you know, waking us up continuously. If we do slip back, you know, I, so I, you know, in my keynotes and you'll know, I, from my, my story, I always talk about the hills, you know, it's it's what I learned as an athlete. I always trained on hills. You know, I learned a lot about the hills. And the hills, what are they? They're the challenges we face in life. They're things that we really don't want. And I, say, you know, to everybody, you know, what is the hill you're facing right now? And you'll know what it is because it's a thing you don't want to be there. (laughs) So life has a way of continually challenging us with hills. And the funny thing is that, and this is, I, I tell people that life, I would never say, you know, life is incredible. It's easy. It's great. You can have anything you want. No, life is hard. Life is a challenge. Scott M. Peck talks about that in his book, The Road Less Traveled. You know, life is full of problems. But once you accept that, then the fact that it has problems doesn't matter anymore. You get on with solving them. You roll up your sleeves and you get on with solving them. So I think if we can sort of shift our mindset to life is supposed to be easy, to know life is tough and it's supposed to be tough because it's the tough times that we learn from. And so if you forget those lessons, don't worry about it. Life's going to throw you another hill. And it doesn't matter who you are. It's full of hills. But once you go, oh, okay, Life is filled with hills. Then it's like, that's okay. You sort of get it. That's supposed to be like that. And then you get on with climbing the hill, you know. And for anyone out there that's facing a hill right now, and I know that's probably everybody, you know, there's very rarely anyone that's not really affected in a a painful way with what's going on. You know, all I say is just, you know, ask yourself, what is one thing, just one small thing that will get me closer? to being the person I want to be or getting me towards that goal with soul? What is that one small thing, no matter how small? Then get up and do it and do it every day. And sooner or later, you'll be over that hill. Beautiful. I love that visual of hills in life, you know, because it also then takes away the negative connotation that some people have with life is hard, life is tough, you know, it shouldn't be this hard. And often it's our resistance to the hills 
that that's where the suffering happens. It's our resistance to it. Why is this hill there? Like a lot of us are standing at the bottom of the hills and going, why? Why is this hill here? Why me? Why am I facing this? Why do I have to go over this hill? But if you just look left and right, you'll see that Sarah next to you is also looking up at a hill or, you know, we've all got different hills and different things. And I just, I love that analogy. And for me, it's like, it just reminds me, I'm reflecting back on the different hills that I've had to go up in my life. But the awesome thing is, is that once you hit the top of it, you can slide on down and have a really good time on the way down. Yeah, it's that whole story, right? You know, this too shall pass. When you realize that and everything does pass, you know, you can enjoy the good moments knowing that they won't last, savor them, but also during the tough times, you also know that they don't last. And, you know, back to the question about, sliding backwards, I guess. So what I do in my work now is I teach resilience. You know, I've created the School for Resilience and a program on on resilience. I've sort of thought about, I've sort of peeled back and distilled the science of resilience. What are the things that I've used to, you know, to get me through where I've been? And one of the things I've realized is that the skills that I've used in one part of my life hasn't haven't necessarily been the same ones I've used in other parts of my life. For example, living with disability and learning to walk and all those challenges. You know, I did have kids. I've got three beautiful children. I got married and, of course, my marriage broke down and I was a single mum for 10 years, which is incredibly challenging. And because of that, I lost my house. So, you know, I sort of feel like I wanted to get all of my challenges out of the way in this life. (laughs) But so I know what it's like to be financially distraught and to be fearful. I know what it's like to be on your own and to think that, you know, how, you know, I want to meet that person, my soulmate. I want that next part of my journey. I mean, I know all those fears. All of those things push me towards this current part of my journey, which is moving to America, which is where I now live. And so many incredible things that have happened since then. But I had to sort of jump in the fire to get there first. I had to turn towards the things that I feared the most. And what I realized in doing that is that they were never as bad as I thought they'd be. Mm, Never is. It never is. Honestly, like we catastrophize things in our mind so much and we future trip. What if this happens? But then what if they say that? And then what if they say that? And then what if they do that? It's just, it's actually not supportive for us to do that and catastrophize these big incidents in our heads. So we just got to come back to the gift, which is the present moment. Exactly. And I'm, you know, I'm also a big fan of Pema Chodron, who always says that fear moves you closer to the truth. And so the truth is, you know, that for me, you know, I wasn't my body, but I also wasn't my marriage and I also wasn't my house. And I also, you know, the life just kept sending me these, you know, these invitations to go a little bit deeper, to you know, get closer to the things that I feared the most. They were things that I feared, you know, I feared being alone. I feared, you know, financial loss, you know, there were the things. And every single time I said, okay, yes, the universe was there to catch me. And it's been extraordinary. I'm now, you know, I met and I'm I'm now with my soulmate, an extraordinary, beautiful human being. And I live in a little cabin surrounded by bears and moose and all sorts of things. And, you know, I'm still writing. I've written my sixth book and my latest book has just been optioned in Hollywood and we're just about to sign a screenwriter for that. Wow. 
I've got full goosebumps. I know. It's, it's amazing. It's been an extraordinary journal. And if someone had said to me back then, you know, when I was at my lowest that this would happen, uh, you know, I just, you know, the, but the point is life is saying let go. Trust me. You know, we, we, we will catch you if you're willing to go there. And that's all you have to do. All it takes is an unwillingness to give up. That's it. Mm, So beautiful. So beautiful. I have to interrupt this juicy conversation to tell you about today's epic sponsor, BetterHelp. For those of you that have been following me for a while will know that back in 2010, I hit rock bottom and ended up in hospital with my health taken away from me. I was dealing with a whole host of physical health issues, which you can read about in Mastering Your Mean Girl, but I was also dealing with some mental health issues from anxiety, panic attacks, eating issues, and depression. So that was the first time I started seeing a therapist, which helped me so much. From there, I have worked with so many coaches, counselors, therapists, and mentors who have all been very supportive for my growth and evolution. This is why I'm such a massive fan of getting support when you feel you need it. Some people think that you have to do this thing called life alone, but let me tell you, you don't. You don't have to do it alone and reaching out for support is okay. In fact, it's very brave and courageous. This is why I love BetterHelp, which connects you online to over 4,000 licensed therapists, counselors, and caring professionals that specialize in the issues that you want to talk about. Now, another epic thing is that your sessions can be done via video, phone, chat, or even text if you don't feel comfortable doing a video conversation or even a phone conversation. And you can communicate with someone within 24 hours, which is great for those times when you feel you really need to talk to someone quickly. And sometimes booking in with someone in person can take weeks. I know that's been the case for me. And all you need to do is fill out the form online and they hook you up with the best person for your needs. How awesome is that? And we are giving the MA Tribe 10% off your first month with the discount code MATRIBE. And if you're currently struggling with something, please reach out and get support with BetterHelp. All you have to do is head to betterhelp.com forward slash MA tribe to get your 10% off. And remember, it isn't shameful to ask for help and support. It is actually incredibly brave and courageous. So please reach out if you feel you need support and help right now. Head to betterhelp.com forward slash MA tribe. Now let's get back to this juicy conversation. Okay. I would love to know, what are you working on within yourself at the moment? What mountain is currently in front of you? Putting my first uh, course together, you know, all of my teaching, I've said I've spent my entire life. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's been hard work, really sort of, I've spent over 25 years on the speaking circuit where I've been, you know, I've, I've traveled to conferences around the world. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a keynote speaker and suddenly 
you know, that industry is probably one of the worst hit at the moment. You know, all of my work this year is either postponed or cancelled. But again, it's I'm very good. I think I've had enough experience of of what I've been through in life to be able to say, okay, well, I'm just going to go with it because I always say we're exactly where we're meant to be because it's where we are, right? So there's no use fighting it. Just go with it and ask, okay, so what are the opportunities here, you know? And for the opportunities, you know, for for me and and, for David as well, we're to finish putting our course together. So I'm really excited about putting that out in the world. I've basically distilled everything I've learned about resilience into a, into a course which is uh, unique. It's based on science. It's based on spiritual principles. It's based on, you know, what I call five principles and 12 key steps to help people, you know, not just bounce back but to bounce forward. And I do think that resilience, which is such a buzzword at the moment, but it's more than, it's more than just, you know, I'm going to get over this. It's no, I'm going to create skills because life is filled with hills, right? Can you tell us, you know, one of the top tips to build resilience that we can all do today? Well, there's so okay. <laughs> they can go to my website and they can download some free tools, right, on my website. But one of them is, so you'll probably enjoy the, the analogy I'm going to give you here. So as a pilot, you know, when we fly an airplane, we set an attitude, which is how we an attitude is what flies an aeroplane, whether it's a glider to a 747 to an F-18, whatever it is. So an attitude is our attitude is how we see life. You know, it's a story of our life. You know, the stories that we create in life are based on our experience, usually childhood experiences. And they can either, they help us navigate life. They help us fly. They help us, you know, create incredible attitudes and um, destinations in life, or they can keep us stuck. Stories like, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not this enough, I'm whatever it is. And so our stories are incredibly powerful. So the first thing about our course is that we set five principles, which we call pillars or five foundations. And I say these are an attitude that we set to help us navigate our life. And they are the five uh, principles are you're never alone. The universe always says yes. You are the producer, director, and actor in the story of your life. Choice is the most powerful tool you have, and this too shall pass. Oh, I love those so much. Yeah, so it's in that people can go and download. This is part of our resilience checklist. So these foundations are a way to sort of set the attitude of our life so we can navigate. And I say even if you don't believe them, suspend belief right now and just assume during the, so this our six-week course, just assume that these are, you know, we're going to take you through this. And then the checklist, I, I've worked through all of the principles, whether scientific or spiritual, that have helped me overcome enormous challenges in my life. And they go through the 12 steps, acceptance, because I think acceptance is the most powerful step that we need in life. One of the things people think is acceptance is about resignation. I say, no, it's not. Acceptance is about just saying, yes, this is where I am, letting go. It's a really powerful position to be in. Forgiveness, incredibly powerful. I had to forgive the man that ran me over and was charged $80. Whoa. And charged with negligent driving, $80. How did you do that? Well, that's one of the exercises in our course, looking at forgiveness and what it is and what it isn't. We go through and we peel back all the layers of these these steps. I wrote a letter to him. Did you actually give it to him? No, because I didn't have his address, but I posted it. 
<laughs> but that was for you, you know? Yeah, it was for you. You did that for yourself. Forgiveness is always for us. This is such an important piece of this puzzle because a lot of people say, well, if I forgive that person, I'm saying what they did was okay. I'm condoning what they did. And that's not the case. Like when you forgive someone, you are freeing the shackles that you have around yourself. Yeah, you do. You forgive for yourself. Exactly. And I know for me, yeah, forgiving myself, like just forgiving myself for different things as well. It's so important. So if you can forgive the man who hit you in the truck, like, wow. Yeah, never never apologized and never came to see me. So that was a big, big lesson. I thank him now. I'm grateful. Oh, my goodness. And if you can move through that, like, I hope everyone listening is inspired by that because I definitely am. Yeah, forgiveness is incredibly powerful. Then we go on to compassion, optimism. Compassion covers, obviously, to self and to others. Optimism. We look at values. We look at, you know, core values, what's important to me, our strengths, how we tap into our strengths, hope, hope value. We, we look at hope theory as per C.R. Snyder. So it's not wishful thinking. It's a cognitive skill. Hope is made of goals, pathways, and agency. Meaning, finding your why. Humor, humor was very important in my healing. Connection and spirituality or faith or whatever you, you, you want to call it mindfulness of mind, body, and spirit. And of course, we end our final step is gratitude. And we look into the science of of gratitude. And there's a lot of science. Dr. Robert Emmons in California has done a lot of science behind gratitude. And of course, I've experienced the benefits of that firsthand. So, you know, they're the 12 steps. We go into the, you know, my, my background is in science, positive psychology, neuroplasticity, neuroscience. You know, we've put all that together We've looked at the the sort of spiritual. I mean, a lot of these principles have spiritual background as well as scientific background as well. You know, so one exercise that people can do now, this is a lot of fun. So we know that people that are optimistic are usually healthier, happier, and more successful in life. And it's all about positive emotions. It's not about being a Pollyanna, but it's about being able to, you know, cultivate positive emotions so that, you know, we can see possibilities because we know that that, you know, when, we, when we're in a positive mindset, we see more, you know. We see that aeroplane flying over, you know. We see the opportunity of going flying, right. So we have an exercise in our course called 10 Good Things. doesn't matter what you're going through. We have put an example on the website, 10 Good Things About the Toilet Paper Shortage. <laughs> and so I say to people, go download the exercise and go through it. So whatever you're going through at the moment, you know, an example might be, you know, if someone had a relationship breakup, what are 10 good things about that? What did you learn? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's always so interesting. You usually come up with 20, right? At first yes. you think, oh, I can't think of anything. And then once you really let go and give it a go, it's a really fun exercise to do. You know, we the course is filled with, it, it's really different. It's a breakthrough course, I think, and it's lots of fun exercises, you know, and yeah, that's my my big challenge at the moment is getting that out within the next month. It sounds incredible and so powerful. I really will link to it in the show notes so everyone can go and check it out. It sounds amazing. I love that you mix the spiritual with the science. I love that because you're catering for both people that love a bit of the science, but then you're also catering to the people that love more of the spiritual stuff. So I love that. And everything that you've said, they're all basic life skills. They're all really powerful and important things that 
If you live by those, you're going to live a really juicy life and such beautiful things to embed into your life and to teach your children their life skills. You know, you keep mentioning one of my favorite mantras, which is this too shall pass. It is by far one of my favorite mantras that I use all the time. I love it. Whenever I'm faced with a mountain, you know, I just say to myself, this too shall pass. And it will. Exactly. And it will. But I would love to hear now. If you could put, if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, besides your books, I think they should definitely be in the curriculum. So let's pretend they already are. What is one other book you would choose? Gosh, well, you know, it might be a bit much to put an Eckhart book in in, in <laughs> The Power of Now, of course. I'm a great fan of, of that. Gary Zukov, Seat of the Soul, Indy Pema Chodron, Lama Suradas, and of course, Brene Brown. These are all, I'm throwing them all out there. They're all great books and they're all part of our reading list for the course as well. So, you know, I'm going to be greedy and say I put a whole lot in there. Give me six. Give me, let me put six in there. So I think, okay, no, I'm going to put one. I'm going to put Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. (laughs) I knew it was coming because you mentioned it a few times and it's such a powerful book. It was a life-changing book for me, that book. So we'll link to that in the show notes. If you've not read Man's Search for Meaning, do yourself a favor and read it because it is such a life-changing book. So thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those books that sort of needs to sit beside the bedside table permanently. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I'd love to hear about your morning routine and, and how you set yourself up for your day. Like, do you have any rituals and practices that you do to really prime yourself for a successful day? Like, do you meditate? Like, what's a typical day in your life? Well, so t- that's a great question. Today's been an interesting day because we've been filming a lot of videos today for the course. So instead of having our videographer come, we, you know, because nobody can travel, we've had to do it ourselves. So there's a big challenge. <laughs> I'm not usually trying to do it with iPhones and things all over the place. So it's, um, that's been really interesting. So that's my hill at the moment, getting a little bit more tech into the techno te- savvy. Yeah. David, I, so I don't have a normal routine. I'd like to try and think I've meditated a lot in the past. I've, um, I learned to meditate sort of a mantra based meditation from Deepak Chopra. I did a lot of talking, did some work with him in the past at the Chopra Center. So I learned a lot from uh, Dr. David Simon, who was a co-founder of the Chopra Center and I have a certain meditation that I've done, which, you know, I used to do a lot of that. And that when I started moving around, when I moved to America, Again, I moved to America without any job, any money or anything. So it's been, that's been an incredible journey. So now my routine is I try to grab, I try to meditate before I even get out of bed in the morning. So before I even wake up, before I even get out of bed, because, you know, I'm usually, there's some pain in my body. So I'll try to, you know, spend maybe half an hour just in bed, just really getting centered and being grateful for the fact that I have a mattress to sleep on and a roof above my head and that I'm safe. So I try to do that before I even get out of bed, set me in the right frame of mind. And David and I have a morning routine that we call giving grace. So we sit together in the morning, we have our coffee together and we talk about what we're grateful for. So we're back and forth, both of us, we say, what are you grateful for today? It's a great way. I'm a big fan of gratitude. 
And we talk about not just the tangible things, but the intangibles. It might be, I'm really grateful for the fact that, you know, I'm grateful that I love to study and I can learn new things. You know, I'm grateful for an opportunity. It's also a really wonderful practice to do for anyone with kids at home at the moment. A lot of people are at home sort of stuck with their kids wondering what to do. Start in the morning, get together as a family, maybe write on a little piece of paper, put it in a a little jar, a little gratitude jar. And at the end of that practice, I like to seal it with, you know, just um, one of the things about gratitude that people don't realize is that we, to change our brains, which is part of resilience, part of neuroplasticity, we want to create neural pathways. So we want to, to do that, we actually have to savor an experience. So I like to think about whatever it is that I'm really grateful for, close my eyes for at least 60 seconds and feel that experience in my body. And then from there, every day is different. I don't know, whatever I do, I try to move every day, ride a bike, ironically, which is where I had my accident. (laughs) There's some beautiful, beautiful things like meditation, gratitude, movement, connection with your partner. There are some beautiful, beautiful things that set you up for a successful day. So thank you for sharing. I do lots of those as well. I'm sure you do. Yeah. I don't bike ride. I don't do that. <laughs> well, you know, it's one of the things I can't run. You know, I struggle, walking is a bit of a struggle. So I like to either, you know, ride a bike or, or swim. So, you know, it's a time that a lot of people are stuck at home right now, but we're still connected. You know, I mean, we can still pick up a phone. We can still Zoom. We can still see people. There are so many things to be grateful for. Mm, definitely. Okay, I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? I am. I am. Oh. Okay. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Mm, move. Yes. What is one thing that we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Well, I think that when you have a goal with a soul, that brings abundance. I think that's, you know, when you're doing the thing that you're meant to be doing in life, you're going to be attracting wealth. Beautiful. Goals with soul. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) And what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Reach out to someone today that you want to say thank you to. Someone that, you know, whether it's, you know, it could be an aging parent or someone or a teacher, say thank you. Write them a gratitude letter. That's so beautiful. Something so simple, like a little text message or a letter or an email or Whatever it is, just expressing your appreciation to someone can go such a long way. I don't remember where I heard it, but, oh, I think it was actually Jack Canfield, The Success Principles. He says, appreciate 10 people a day. And I started with 10 people and then, you know, I've now gone to five. I'm not saying do that, but I have gone to five because it was taking me a long time to write these beautiful heartfelt messages to people. But if you don't have time for five, just appreciate one person a day. Send them a beautiful message just saying, I appreciate you and I love you. No need to respond. I just I just want you to know that I'm grateful for you and want to send you love. So I love that you said that. It makes a difference. I think, you know, I mean, we, we want to make it sincere, but... I mean, I would encourage people with their partner. I mean, people are at home, probably, you know, they're living in small quarters. I'm not sure, but maybe getting on each other's nerves. Thank you goes a long way. Thank you. Thank you for washing up. Thank you for cooking dinner. Thank you for thinking of that. It's incredible. You know, when my husband thanks me for making the bed, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. 
And so it means the world to me. So I try and do the same to him. Thank you for washing up the dishes. Thank you for making dinner, whatever it is. Those two little words go such a long way. So this is everybody's soul work for today is to appreciate, you know, one, two, three, four, five people today. Just express your gratitude and thank them for whatever it is that feels true to you in the moment. Yeah, and we could teach it to our kids. I mean, one of the things we know is that we learn resilience through the people closest to us. Kids learn it from watching us. So show your kids the power of thank you. You know, thank them. Get them to thank other people. You know, I mean, these are things that we can be doing with our kids right now at home. Exactly. This has been so beautiful, Janine. I'm so grateful. Oh, me too. Is there anything else you want to share? Any last parting words of wisdom or anything that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about? I think we've covered a lot and it's just been such a joy to get to know you and to share this time. And, you know, I really want to offer support people as much as possible. I want to be able to, I want to say to you that with our course, we're probably going to be starting in a month. I'd love to give one of your listeners a free, you know, I mean, this course, I'm going to tell you, we've priced it. It's worth over $3,000 and it's $99. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Cause I want to make it available. I want to give to one of your listeners and we're also going to create a code so that we, you know, we're going to create maybe 20% off and we'll make a code, whatever you, we decide on, and we can put it there. So people, so it's available for people as well. I just want to share this. I want people to know that um, they are already resilient, that one of the things that, you know, I want to encourage people to do is to remember a time in the past that they struggled with something and they thought they'd never be able to do, but they did it. If they look back and they go through, I also have an exercise with that as well, where they go through and they, you know, they identify that, they look at the strengths, they ask themselves, how did I get through it? And then how am I going to use those strengths and those tools to get through a current challenge? So we're all resilient. We just need to remind ourselves that we have it inside of us. We just sometimes need to recognize that and and also learn new skills. Mm, And flex that resilient muscle. Oh, yeah, it's a muscle. That's for sure. Yeah. So tell us the name of the course again. We'll link to it in the show notes, but what's the name of the course again? Okay, so it's uh, we have the School for Resilience and it's Build an, uh, Your Unshakable Core. Build an Unshakable Core. I love that. And we'll make the code MA Tribe so anyone can go and get 20% off and we'll give one lucky winner the opportunity to do your course. Absolutely. So thank you so much for that. I'm so grateful. And I want to... Thank you for sharing so openly and honestly and for all the work that you do, your books, your program, your TED Talks, your keynote talks, everything that you do. I'm I'm so grateful that we were connected through a mutual friend, James. I'm so grateful. And you are helping so many people. Like, I hope you know just how big of an impact your story is having on so many people. You are serving so many people. So I want to know what I and the listeners can do to serve you. How can we give back to you? Well, I think just, you know, come on this journey with me as well. And yeah, I'm just really excited to be connected with, you know, with, with your tribe. They can be part of our tribe. I think we just being connected is, is, is a wonderful thing. You know, I was listening to a, I was listening to a great, um, I was listening to Jane Goodall today. She was talking about the world. She was talking about the three problems. I've just finished the course, actually. I've been doing an online course on international 
women's health and human rights. I recently went over to Istanbul just before the borders shut, actually, and I was speaking at a UN women event in Istanbul. And, you know, I realized the magnitude of, of you know, inequality, women's inequality and, and health and poverty around the world. And that's sort of my next thing right now is I want to be able to serve the women, particularly there's so many women that are struggling right now. Domestic violence has increased with everybody being at home. So I think if, you know, if we can, if we can just keep an awareness towards, you know, women are incredible. I've, I have three children, but two incredibly strong girls. And, you know, to really look after each other. You know, we need each other. You know, we're living in a world where it's, it's tough being a woman. It really is. And we are amazing. So reach out and be there for each other. We need each other. Mm, yes, we do. And we are amazing. That's for sure. I think so. So thank you so much, Janine. You are amazing. This is such a pleasure. I'm so honored. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And I really look forward to seeing you in November. Yes, I can't wait <laughs> to give you a big squeeze in real life. I know, we will. We'll be at a hug then. Maybe yeah. this elbow bump or something. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, my love. Oh, thank you. Lots of love. Bye. Talk about inspiration. Wasn't that awesome? I got so much out of it. As always, I always walk away with so much inspiration and little tips and tricks. So I loved it. I got heaps out of it. If you did too, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading what you guys take away from each episode. So please come and share it with me. And for everything that Janine and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. That's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 311. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful and so honored that you chose to come and spend some time with me. I'm so grateful. And I'm proud of you because I know that you want to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. And I want to honor you for showing up today. You rock. I'm giving you a high five right now. And if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, my darling, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.